Welcome to episode 22 of the Indie by Design podcast with me, John Robertson, and with Stace Harmon. In this episode, we're discussing games criticism and game critics. What is the role of a games critic? How do audiences and game critics relate? And what is the purpose of games criticism? To begin, here's me explaining what I believe to be and not to be criticism. Reviews in which describe the game and sort of try to place the game in a sense of it's this game compared to this game is sits here um, and it sits here because it has ABC in it. I think that is that's not criticism. That is that's that's what an art historian is. That's a that's a placing a game in a specific context and it exists in this context because of the signifiers that this game has. So it's like, you know, it has open world games have ABC, therefore this game is an open world game because of because of that. And it sits against these other open world games either more or less uh it has more or less things and therefore it's better or worse or whatever than this other open world game because of what it's got in it. I don't think that's criticism at all. I don't think that's what it is. There's no Criticism is evaluation, it's appreciation. It's not appreciation as in like or dislike, but I am providing an appraisal here, an appreciation of this work. Um, and if it doesn't have that bit, then I don't think it's, it is a work of criticism. It is the critic's job to have an evaluation in a sense of where what, what value does this offer? too many games reviews are just descriptions and that can include when someone says like oh and i not just describing what's in the game but you know this game's great because this and this and this happened to me in the game and the result was this well that's still not an evaluation that's still just a description Mm. of the game um i think too many reviews try to be try to think that by them providing their own experiences in the game just like what they did so then that's evaluation well it's not it's still just description yeah and uh, but are they are they setting out to do that are they is the are they coming from an objectively an objective origin in saying we are setting out to assess this piece of work and in this case a game um as its own entity or as we will understand this particular genre of game to be, this is the pinnacle of it because that by definition has to be in comparison to every other. Not, it doesn't have to be, oh, and this is how it fits into it. You know, this is how it is compared to game A or game B, but it's, these are the accepted tropes or we will understand in the same way that you would talk about, you know, if you can't label a film, a romantic comedy and then have, two hours of decapitation and you know no no actual yeah, yeah, romance yeah. or comedy like it's so by it's just, if it's just a name check of uh this is where it sits it's a it's a very extended way of identifying its genre and it's yeah and and genres are important for that reason right like we we give things genre definitions because it's a shorthand for what to expect mm. essentially so there is a value there's a, in, in terms of the description, there's a value in saying what genre it is, and then you can kind of roughly know what kind of vibe you're going to be experiencing. Mm. But I still think you you still evaluate the work based not necessarily on how well it 
indulges its genre, but still how well it interprets whatever the intention was. So two different two horror films can use a lot of the same genre tropes, but the intentions of the film are completely different. So comparing them together, you know, like The Shining or like Halloween. Okay, they're both they both use similar genre tropes of like pace the pacing, the 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 unknown or knowing more than the characters and you feel scared of them, the music, whatever. They use they use similar techniques, but they arrange them in such different ways that the intention of the end is very different. Like yes, to an extent they but they want to put you in a position of fear. But what they do with that position of fear bears very little resemblance to mm. each other. So categorizing things based on better or worse within a genre only really works in 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 a in a, like a technical sense, like in the emotion and the final result. It doesn't. I don't think it's really very helpful to just limit yourself to that as a critic to say, you know, this is a eight out of ten or a seven out of ten because X other game was a seven out of ten or an eight out of ten, and I'm comparing it to that. I don't think that's <clears throat> I don't think that's helpful, um, and I don't think it tells the audience very much, to be honest, because the intentions of those games could be entirely different. Yeah, I think the I think that's a that's perhaps to my mind a key point there, just that that mention of the scores, um, and I think a lot of a lot of reviews are beholden to a scoring system and i think like there's a lot of reviewers i think who who without realizing it i think it's has become a fashionable way not fashionable way but as in it's become a fashion to write in a certain way that justifies the score or that explains the score once you get to it um because if you were to say something is a seven out of ten um then the 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 reader typically expects there to be at least some mention of the things in the review that make it a seven and not as in building from zero upwards but building from ten downwards uh and so that's... so what do you mean by that that an open world game has x size open world x number of missions x number of different cars or whatever kind of game it is or 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 it has things in it in a sense of okay it's triggered me in it's triggered this emotion this emotion this emotion or this emotion so is it actually the content of the game in terms of what it's got in it or what it's offering to you as means of like in how you might respond to it i suppose i think well i think often it's the it's the the former it's more well it's not just it's not like oh well if it's got this many missions then it scores this many points and if it's got half of that number of missions that's that gets means it gets it gets a, a, a yeah although you do get that though people will put extra value on a game that's yeah absolutely uh, yeah absolutely and that that has become a dangerous measure of value um that's that kind of strays into the the sort of budget supermarket or the all you can eat kind of definition yeah, of i value. think it's up hot i think yeah i mean i'd go so far as to say it's pretty it's it's, well, it's a strong way, but it's an abhorrent way of mm. pushing of of approaching a review. Like it's it completely undermines the art side of what's offered and just entirely puts it on just volume, mm. which is crazy. It's like saying, you know, Picasso's Guernica or whatever. It's like fifteen foot across or whatever. You know, great, but that's because of that. It's inherently better than like a Rembrandt that's you know a foot tall mm. or something. And so, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so that has so that I think has, has in some circles has become a, a dangerous way of assessing or deriving the value that is offered by something but and also the reading a review and it making no mention of um the fact that certain elements of it don't work as well as they could or that they don't they're shallow or they're not very rewarding or whatever it might be and short of getting into specifics it's it's kind of just as a general concept to say that there are these kinds of things in this game, but they do, mm. they don't work because of this. Those are the things I think that often are expected to be seen in reviews where the game is scored and the game is scored as a, a six or a seven or even an eight. I think it, it's, uh, it depends. I think the, the audience expectation can be, well, you know, it, it's that sort of classic thing of, oh, it reads like a, insert number here it's like it reads like a nine or it's or it, this reads like an eight you know I'm, or it reads like a ten i'm surprised you know and that's i think it comes from this idea of well there hasn't been any explicit mention of why x and y and z doesn't yeah work. for sure and, and, and uh, yeah because i'm torn on this idea like a lot of people want to get rid of review scores entirely and a lot of publications do certainly a lot of non-gaming publications will not put a score on on whatever it is that they're critiquing like you won't you won't see oh, some publications do it, but you know, quote unquote, genuine critical publications won't per. Um, you know, they go to see a famous artwork. They, you know, they visit a new Banksy or whatever, and it's like, well, this Banksy is a seven out of ten. And it's like, well, <laughs> what does that mean? Like, what what help is that to anyone? And that so, but I'm torn on it in video games because. The 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10, 50%, whatever, um, <clears throat> is an evaluation, a very, a very sort of terse and sort of poor one. It doesn't really tell you a huge amount, but at least it is a form of evaluation in that it gives a sense of whether this thing is valuable or not, or whether this thing has deserves appreciation or whether there's much appreciation to take from it, which is what I think the critic's role is. And it, even though it's it's crude, the number still provides some form of evaluation in that way. Whereas the text, and you know, the common argument is, "I'll oh, take away the review scores, and then people will just read the text and concentrate on that." Well, I'm sorry, but in most cases, the text doesn't provide any evaluation. Like it just provides a series of descriptions of what's in there, but without any reasoning as to, <clears throat> you know why this is important, why it should be appreciated. Does the creator have an interesting intent here? And has that intent been realized? Uh, I mean, most reviews just don't, most video game reviews just don't cover that. They're, they're just a series of bullet points essentially about what's in it. Um, and yeah, like that's that's what an art historian yeah. is. That's a, a collection of how chase, tastes change over time depending on the content. But there's no, that's a neutral proposition. There's no... There's no, you know, evaluating as a, a critic. Like, I mean, there's a confusion between like, because a lot of video game critics will say that they're journalists because they do other things. But a critic and a journalist are two completely different things. They're, they're in, their, in my mind, their role is very different. A journalism as out there to push forward truth, objective truth, uh, i.e. this exists or whatever. A critic, that's not the critic's job to do that. The critic's job is to provide, on the one hand, a cultural context for it but on the other hand a a value judgment on this that's that's essentially 
what it is. And it's not necessarily their opinion. You know, you can, I fully believe that you don't have to like something in, able, in order to appreciate it. Um, but there has to be some sort of value proposition added to it, you know. Has this lev- lived up to the artist's desires? Has Does this provide a reason for you to indulge it? Mm, and that, yeah, that's an interesting... Do you, is there an, an element of dissonance in that either for you or that you could for you personally or that you can uh perhaps appreciate might be there that by putting a score on something like by putting a score on something you are perhaps forcefully or very explicitly uh having to look past or risk ignoring those things like the artist's intent because you're scoring it scores only mean anything in comparison to other things that have also been scored so and that's you know hence the rise of something like metacritic to say as objectively as possible that this thing is better than this thing the last of us is better than far cry 3 or you know whatever it might be so, yeah. but those things aren't the things that are necessarily going to be like they, that, that to me almost sounds like two separate conversations. You'd have in a review, you might talk about, well, the artist was trying to achieve this thing. This is the intent here. And then the score at the end of it really is disconnected from that. It doesn't, doesn't, it, whether they've achieved it or not, they might have achieved what they were trying to do, but that thing not be, still not be ob- objectively, as far as you can be objective, objectively worthwhile so yeah so uh, yeah i'm not sure you have to be 100 percent objective and my, my problem with the review scoring system is that it, it it exists in instead of or well i mean currently it exists as an evaluation tool whereas the other the other elements don't exist so so if i'd be totally happy to get rid of review scores entirely if um if like what you were saying talk about the the artist's intention and whether it was met or not is that that kind of discussion is actually included in reviews for the first place because it's just not uh for the most part it's just it's just not um and it's just it's almost just a it's just a race to the bottom when you just could use review scores to judge one game against another um because how do you accurately judge that you can only really accurately judge it by looking at common components and how well they are arranged or provided in relation to to other things and then you're using any new elements or any elements that are not there as sort of like the secondary concept of okay well now that we've created this status quo and we've and we've compared the bits that do exist against um with these two games that we're comparing for our review score for for an accurate review score, and only then do you look at the differences. And I think that's just not the right way to go about it because you're you're pulling blocks out of your your you're breaking down those games into individual blocks and assessing them in that way. But that's not how the game is designed to be enjoyed or played. So it's it's a it's a it's a destructive in, endeavor if you go about it. Well, that, like that. yeah, and that. 
So the the ones that I'm most interested, the reviews, the or even perhaps the game. Sometimes I become very interested in a game if the reviews are incredibly split. And those are the times when I feel like there's conversation to be had. And those are the games that it doesn't it doesn't make me more interested in a game where that's got a three out of ten and also a nine out of ten. But I'm it is a point of interest. It's a point of interest that I'm it makes me go and look up more about the game than a game that just got flat sevens, for example. Mm. And a game, and it's going back a while now, but a, a game like that that uh, ticks those boxes is um, Gods Will Be Watching. Um, and we spoke to uh, the team behind that a long time ago for our first book. And they, Geordie, was talking about how... And it went even deeper than that. So it, that, that game, I think, got everything from... I think three was the lowest score that I was aware of. I don't know if it got lower than that. And then uh, there was certainly a nine. It may, maybe somewhere it also got tens out, you know, outside of uh, user reviews. It may have got tens as well. I don't know. But And that was a game where there was discussion about the artist's intent. And there was, be it explicit discussion or be it... Um, is it as, you know, is that as simple a case as saying some people didn't get it you know that very that phrase that's very kind of uh very like very it's likely to trigger some people that phrase but is that is that one of those instances where you can say well some people just didn't get it or is that a is that is that a case of people were reviewing it in a different way to other people who were also yeah. reviewing it? They were almost reviewing I, different things effectively different things about that. yeah what i what i think yeah and i think that's probably accurate to say that that is true i mean but this goes back to what i was saying about whether you whether you quote unquote get it is is incredibly important as as a critic you have to get it otherwise and that doesn't mean like it again it just means you have to be able to accurately appreciate the intention of what's going on here and if you don't understand the intention or you know quote unquote get it then your position as a critic is is undermined in that like you have to you have to be able to get it to have to call yourself a critic like if you if you don't get it and again you don't have to like it if you don't understand what's happening here and why these things have been intended then you're not doing your job properly and it's okay to understand the intention and then say yes but the way that that intention has been attempted to be realized is poor and confused and etc and that's fine that's fine um just as long as you understand it like you yeah you have to be able to understand it there is a problem in video games in this sense in that fully understanding what's going on can be difficult in some or fully understanding the attempt of what's going on can be difficult in such in some instances um in when it comes to understanding whether that intent has been properly realized. So in a beat-em-up, uh, I'm not the best beat-em-up player in the world. I understand the intent of beat-em-ups and I can try to provide a level of appreciation um, of criticism on the intent, but I wouldn't be able to provide a fully working one. I wouldn't be comfortable trying to be you know a sort of 
wholly valid source and whether it's intended whether it's succeeded in its intentions or not because at present time i'm not skilled enough to be able to engage with the tools that are being offered as a means of communicating that intention i'm just not good enough at those games like i can on a theoretical level i can appreciate the intention but i can't engage with it enough to really work out whether the intention's been hit Mm. or not Mm. That that reminds me, um, uh, I think it was, I've kind of referenced Far Cry 3, I think it was Far Cry 3 about which there was a lot of fuss a long time ago um, because uh, it was touted, and I think it was the writer specifically, it was touted as being something that was going to um, subvert video game cliche and was going to be uh, a, I don't think he went so far as to say it would be a parody at all, but I think it was intended to take what we understand and know about certain video game tropes and use that to um, challenge and subvert our our understanding of those exact things. And then it, like the actual finished product, didn't didn't feel that it did that. It didn't feel that it provided any context in which you could play it and it you could understand that that's what it was doing. It it felt more like it was just using those exact same tropes and cliches. Sorry, which game so is Far this? Cry 3. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And the writer, I think, soon afterwards, um, who also wrote Child of Light, um, said, came out and said, well, they, critics didn't get it, basically. They didn't, they just missed the point on a lot of the things that were in it. And that's... the Was he talking about... The, uh, narrative themes rather than me- mechanical. Elements. He was talking mo- mo- most specifically about the narrative and the and the writing. Yeah, not the not not well, not as far as I understand it. Not in what you were doing was in some way contributing to the way in which it was subverting or uh, yeah, sort of playing with expectations. Um, and so just that kind of touches on that idea of whether you get it or not, I guess. I guess it's like trying to review a parody of something if you don't know that it's a parody. Like, you, you're effectively reviewing mm. a different thing to the thing yeah. that it's intended to be. But... <laughs> well, I think in that instance, Far Cry 3, in terms of its story, um, etc., the things that he was complaining about that people didn't get, it's incredibly hard in an open-world setting anyway to produce a story, a narrative in an open world game of the form of Far Cry in which you can just do whatever you want and get distracted for ages and there's lots of um, there's lots of things telling you to go here and collect this and whatever that's got nothing to do with the narrative. It's incredibly hard to I think that's all that's probably a f- like while the intention was to provide this certain themes that he thought were were not picked up on well maybe the genre that it, that is being worked in there the open world far cry style game is the wrong vehicle for those themes um and while yes there might be a there might have been a failure on the critics part to to appreciate those themes or appreciate try to work out the intention i would say just as a, in a general in a, on a general level using an open world game for that sort of thing is for that sort of intention is is probably is probably wrong. I mean, you're always you're always fighting against the game design style mm. of a game like that to try to to try to communicate that to the players. 
I mean, I think an example, a good example of that is how Batman Arkham Asylum is a much more focused, thematically driven, emotionally responsive from the player's side. It's much tighter. It's much more the pacing is part of the communication to the players to get it across its intended emotions. Whereas the subsequent Batman games, the open world ones, were far inferior on on that level. Mm. They had other qualities, but on, on that level, the level that Batman Arkham Asylum succeeded at so brilliantly, the subsequent ones were nowhere near that same level of quality. Mm. Yeah, and so this okay. So then it, this doesn't. I mean, this doesn't apply to the Batman games because they are uh, they're third person. But I was going to ask before that Batman comparison is some of that problem also down to trying to communicate something when you're playing a first person style game so you know again far cry a lot of open world games use first person perspective um and it being harder to differentiate what the what the character in the game who you whose body effectively you are inhabiting but trying to have the character in the game be a separate entity to your own assessment of what's going on. Um, because again, just to go back to the Far Cry 3 thing, I think the, the, the more, and the more I talk about it, the more I'm kind of remembering what was discussed at the time. Um, because it was an interesting conversation, but it was, it was effectively, I think that it was like a 25 year old white guy is the central character and he's from, uh, LA. I think he's, or he's from Hollywood, I think specifically. And so there was this suggestion that, um, he is seeing through things through a lens of his own prejudice and bias and his own kind of viewpoint. But the problem with that is that so are you because you're, inhabiting his body and seeing through his eyes and like so is there i think it's an interesting point it's an interesting thing to try and do but i think it's an incredibly difficult thing to come to when you already have a wealth of first person open world games i mean far cry was far cry 3 as it sounds was the third main entry in an established franchise so there wasn't that that's a harder sell i mean maybe it just needs to be an entirely new IP, which has its own challenges, but that if you're known for doing a certain thing in a certain way, then that's a difficult thing to try and introduce purely through the writing. When, as you say, you've got all of these other things going against you, like the th- the actions that you're doing, the the tasks you're performing, uh, are not marrying up with that that narrative goal. But yeah, do do you think that the first person, like specifically, do you think the first person viewpoint does that? Do you think that adds an extra layer of kind of obfuscation and challenge in trying to communicate something different inherently i don't think it does no i don't think just by having it first person that inherently makes it more difficult i think what makes it more difficult and i don't think it matters whether it's third or first person or whatever is if you're telling someone that this is the character that you're playing but then allowing them to just kind of do whatever they want um, because then you do come up, you know, it's a whole ludo narrative dissonance, and you do come up against those conflicts constantly. Uh, I mean, you know, first person will work totally fine. You just need to either wholly go down the route of saying which character this is, or you don't do it at all. So uh, I think first person is a brilliant way of exploring characters, but not the character that you're playing. So gone home to coma those games they're all first person but they're um 
the characters in them are not you and the character that you're playing as isn't really much of anything they're, they're just a lens into this world and what you're actually discovering and and reacting to and being interested by and <clears throat> the value you're trying to trying to receive from those games is the characters that you're looking at not the characters of which eyes you possess um so i think i don't yeah i don't think inherently there's anything with the first person view that would tip the favor on one side to the other just just as just as with third person like um in the batman games one of the reasons you know arkham asylum is good because you know you're third person but you're you're being told constantly what kind of character you are, like you're, you're Batman and this, you're this variation on Batman. And you have little ability to move outside of that because you have little ability to move away from the path and try to define your own kind of Batman, whereas you do in a subsequent Batman game. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the form of, you know, camera perspective. Um, but uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think whether, just to bring it around to critics, whether there's enough discussion about the form of video games in that sense and how that in that how that engages or doesn't engage, better or worse, the desired goals of what's presented mm. to you. Well, that's and I think, but that in this instance, that it does become, you know, when you consider things with the constraints and logistics of the real world, uh, an editor says to one of their writers, you have got a thousand words to review the next, whatever it may be. You keep saying Far Cry, but whatever it might be, you've got a thousand words to review this game. How much of that time and how much, how much of that word count can a reviewer, a critic spend, uh, identifying and analyzing the, possible intended um direction that the writer was trying to go in or the director was trying to go in because i can well imagine and that you know i guess this is the thing about audience expectations as well but i can well imagine you get to the end of a review like that and you you a reader feels like well i have no concept of whether i should spend 50 60 quid on this game like i, I don't that doesn't all that all that like that perhaps exists as a feature as a, as a as a feature article outside of a review but if somebody has spent the time to kind of put that into a game and somebody else has spent the time to analyze it and say wow this works really well oh but you know as a game it's pretty average but this particular bit of it works really well D- does that in itself even you know how, where does that even sit in in a typical 10 point or 100 percentage review score yeah so i think an interesting um sight and sound the film magazine um when it produces its reviews it has it doesn't have a review scoring system you just have to kind of read the reviews but it has it has the review and then within the review there's a box out that has that's called credit and synopsis they've split the two things separate into two different things one on the one side they describe what it is and then on another side, they evaluate it. And those are two very different things. So they're not wasting time in the review itself saying, this this gave me my, this, re, this emotional reaction was delivered by, you know, this camera angle or this acting performance or whatever. They'll just instead talk about how it made them feel. Mm. So the review is largely 
is largely focused on their internal reaction, whereas the synopsis section is about what the film is kind of mechanically delivering to mm. them. Um, and then you don't you don't get this sort of these difficult sentences and these confused paragraphs about trying to include both the technical elements and your and your emotional response into them in one in one in one big thing. You can just save your review for you know um, this is how I evaluate this yeah. thing, and you and you're not getting caught up with saying, well, it's you know it's using this camera trick or whatever. Mm. And that's well, okay. So that's an interesting that's an interesting approach. I think I, I like the sound of doing that. I'm interested though in the fact, like the fact that you identify the the synopsis synopsis box as a way of delivering the what the plot is about, and and said then that in some instances that means that you're better off or that you should not read that particular bit of the the review until you've seen the film because for some people like if we transpose that then to games uh, for some people that's like well they they're using that as a as a way of as a decision making tool as to whether to to buy this thing to engage with this piece of entertainment so with a film like it that doesn't does the does the synopsis in that instance do I'm I'm sort of confused as to the intention of it because if if part of going to see the film is is uncovering some of the stuff that they would put in the synopsis, then what use or what 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 value does that have in the review if it's effectively spoiling something that you're not going to want to know about until you've gone to see the film? So I suppose yeah. So I suppose what this what the, what it boils down to is should is a review used as something that is for a, an appreciate as a buyer's guide or is it for placing and um, you know evaluating something within within its cultural or societal context mm. um, and I think though and I think this is a difficult balance to strike in video games because they're so tech heavy and so you know there's this you know the concept the next game is always the best game that's because the technology increases and 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 you know you're getting better graphics and you're getting faster frame rates and stuff and that's a very sort of i mean when you're reviewing games like that you're you're essentially reviewing them like you'd review a car or a blu-ray player um and there is an element of that of value of that in video games but i think it it's not what a critic's job mainly should be. Again, I think that's a that's a that's a historian's job to list those things, um, and I just don't know where films, or I don't know where games sit on that balance of. Like, I don't have an answer mm. for it. Basically, mm. I'm still not sure how games reviews provide both. Or you just, or you just go to different publications, right? Like maybe you you have the publication where you know is just going to describe everything to you and then provide just some sort of vague seven out of ten or whatever, and then you go to the appreciation sort of site afterwards. Because I think the problem with having reviews as just buyers' guides is that you, as a reader. The only way you can really engage with 
a critic's genuine appreciation evaluation of a game as to where it sits in society is if you've already if you've also engaged in the thing that they're talking about so you can kind of evolve your own perspective based on the perspective of others mm. you know you take in 10 opinions and then add your own to it and then come out with you know allow allow other people's opinions to change yours um or at least influence yours but with a buying guide, you don't do that because you inherently have to stay away from a lot of the things that are important in order to not spoil it, in order to provide a context, a reasoning for that evaluation. Mm. Um, so I think there's a lot in games where reviews are just designed to be read as buyer's guides prior to purchasing the game. But then once you've purchased in the game, you never read anything about it ever again. Yeah. And I don't think that's what... That's not criticism to me. That's not genuine criticism that's not placing this thing that's not giving it a value amongst the wider sort of culture within mm. it sits yeah within where yeah it no I, I think that yeah i understand that i think that's a that that's a, that's a very interesting definition and it also raises lots of questions about what are reviews used for and that is i believe is kind of fairly obviously going to be dependent on the individual and that's why you will get people who get very angry and very passionate about games that get bad scores or poor low scores because they have already made up their mind that they're going to buy that thing so they what they're looking for is affirmation they're looking for confirmation that their decision is not the correct one because they're they're in their minds they've it's as if they you know they're already personally invested in that so to say that this particular thing you know be xyz game number five in a franchise or just this hot new thing that they they were really hyped about um to say that that is as objectively as possible a poor example of its form or a poor example yeah that that People that really bothers people because that's like saying, well, you're you're in some way wrong. You are foolish. You are. This is a bad decision that you're about to make. Um, and people get annoyed about that because that's not what they want to hear. And even though they have no ground, what they potentially could do, or maybe even should do, is be use that as as kind of food for thought and think, well, okay, this is interesting. Maybe I should consider this perspective before buying it often they don't want that they, they've already decided and some some people it will work some people they'll they'll be turned off a game that they were really excited by or turned on to a game that they had not really um really heard much about or were that bothered about previously but yeah um yeah i mean it's just it's not a an unusual thing i don't think to see that to see people react passionately to something um yeah I, I think it go yeah i, I suppose needs to be more of an acceptance that Hearing someone else's opinion doesn't inherently undermine mm. yours, um, and it's the same with critics as well. Like one one critic says one thing, another critic says not the opposite, but something different. You know, they can both exist in the same space and both be equally important. Um, I think where I think to try to, while I disagree with just um, readers getting annoyed at critics because they disagree with whatever their final outlook on the game was i think that there is some justification in getting angry um at certain reviews or certain um responses of critics to a game because a critic that you see a lot of reviews where it's 
describe this, describe this, describe this, describe this. Okay, I don't like it. It's at six out of ten, five out of ten, or whatever. And and I think you are you are justifiably allowed to be angry at that interpretation or that what the critic is providing there in terms of a discourse because um, it's fine. Everyone should be allowed to put like you know. A critic can put their opinion across, but they have to be able to explain why they've evaluated it in a certain way. And that just doesn't happen a lot of the time. And two critics can come out with very widely differing opinions, but they can both be true. But you have to have been able to explain why they've come up with those opinions. And I think a lot of whilst there are just trolls in comment sections on reviews that will just attack a review no matter what. There are a lot of cases where I think a lot of that anger comes from a confusion as to why the game has been appraised in that way, because there's just been no explanation about where that thought has come from. And I think if, if critics did, video game critics did a better job of explaining themselves and concentrating more on their uh, their reactions to games and how how well a um, I think it starts with understanding what the goal was here and then interpreting whether that goal has been accurately met or not. I think if people, if there were more of these that started on that level and it can explain the thought process that they're going through in order to arrive at a final decision, I don't mean a review score, I just mean a final thought kind of thing, um, then there would be less reason and hopefully less instances of people just blindly reacting in rage to whatever the whatever the review says mm. i remember uh, edge magazine did an experiment many years ago uh, or future publishing um did an experiment via edge magazine of and the, i think as far as i'm aware this was before any major publication or website dropped their review scores um this was many years before that but they did an experiment one issue where and i don't as far as i'm aware i don't think they telegraphed in advance that they were going to do this but they did an issue where all of the review score boxes or the the little lines under which they put their scores were they just featured question marks um and they they did include the review scores they were in the back of the magazine they didn't go so far as to not include them at all they still included them but it was an interesting exercise because you have that thing particularly with a a magazine i mean (laughs) showing my age somewhat but growing up in the 90s reading magazines and and just being used to that format you have that thing be it your peripheral vision or just being tempted to flick your eyes down to what the score is and then start reading the review and it kind of almost doing that provides context for what you're about to read um provides sort of tone it's that kind of you understand how to take certain things in the review based on on what that number is down the bottom um and so in that instance, I read through all the reviews and played a little game of, you know, what do I think this has got based on what's been written? And it was an interesting thing to do for, because the, I think in the examples, like instances like that, you, you kind of can see how much, or I felt anyway, how much the text is weighted towards and influenced by the score that is ultimately going to be given. Because the reviews were kind of a, almost a set of balancing 
arguments and counter arguments they were almost there's this good thing that it's like well there were eight good things and three bad things so maybe this is going to come out to about you know like a seven or something um, yeah yeah and that and i think that that restricts yeah i agree with that and that restricts the what the critic is allowed to even say or the form of the review um that the, the, the review can take because you're limited by having to say right it's a seven out of ten therefore i have to not only describe why it's a seven out of ten but why it's not a five and why it's not a ten and that and that is i, I think that's that is too rigid a structure to put on as such an important sort of element of um when it comes to when it comes to placing something in a societal context and i keep using that because i think it's it's important and it's a thing that games just don't do like other mediums have their champion critics that don't just don't just uniformly give everything great reviews and that's why they're loved because they're entertaining but they they manage to they explain to you why these things are important like you you might not like it but it's important because of this reason like you know mark commode in film reviews he he'll trash things or he'll celebrate them but he won't just say oh it's really good and everyone go see it and da, 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 da. like he won't he'll he places it in a cultural context to explain why it's important and he um i think that's really difficult to do if all you're trying to do in the review is justify a seven mm. out of ten mm. um i just don't know how you do that yeah and well so then does the uh and perhaps this is where different publications would hope their unique brands or their voices would be identifiable because you'll have some places that um you perhaps know are going to be more lenient or or more uh, celebratory perhaps as they might like to term it so they're going to give higher scores basically is the end result um but it does there need to be more focus does there need to be more more carving out a niche this this is a we are a publication or a website or whatever and you have to ignore some sort of you know the the issues of advertising here but we are a, a publication that is going to be focused primarily on this kind of review like this is we are going to assess this based on its uh its cultural significance or its ability to elicit feeling rather than give you a mechanically fun time like it because i mean ideally any publication would be able to do all of those things but it sounds like that that and it feels like that isn't what happens and it and it, it even from writing reviews and then ha- having somebody come back and say well okay this kind of, can you expand on these points because the score specifically again you know the score you've given here sounds really good but you've kind of been quite negative about these several things and it's like again it has to justify this that, and the other so so is that a in the short term at least is that a is that a positive step? Would that be a useful way of having uh, that different publications have different explicit focuses that they they overtly put front and center, and they say, "Look, this we are we're still a ten point score, or we're still no score, or we're still a five point score, whatever we are." But this is the this is what we're looking for. This is the this is what we're assessing. Does it do these things? Does it achieve these goals? Um, and that's what we're basing our scores on, rather than the more sort of accepted. Uh, uh, I would. I. I mean, I would be wary of a publication saying we're going to base set up our 
we're going to base our scoring systems or our, even if they don't have a scoring system, our review, our appraisals of games based around X, Y, and Z. Just because then I don't know how you, then you're, you're not taking the work as, like how do you do that thing of saying, okay, well, this is the intention of this work, therefore we're going to appraise it on these intentions and how it, how it, achieves or doesn't achieve what the creator set out to do here if you're coming at it from your we will always review games from this basis well then what about games that fall outside of that basis do you not take them on as a critical endeavor or or do you but just accept that you're not you're coming to it from your intentions rather than the game's intentions. And at that point, you've got a question of, well, what if your feedback is even means anything anymore? Um, <clears throat> so I'm not sure. I just, I suppose in I mean, my general sort of idea, I just wish more, there was more evaluation in games criticism and less just description. Like, um, you know, I'm not interested in, uh knowing you know reading three or four paragraphs about some anecdote you know that happened in a game when you played it i don't really care about that i care about just in general how did this game make you feel where does this game sit and does the game sort of achieve what what it what was intended and i mean that's a very artistic that's artistic criticism way of looking at it um and that allows you to and you can disagree with the intention right so you can say look it it did what it set out to do but i think the intention of what it's out to do itself is inherently flawed and that's fine like just as long as you can explain yourself like you don't have to give it a 10 out of 10 every time because the game achieved its intention you can criticize the intention and say the intention was stupid or it's just regurgitated or whatever in, in its in its most in its worst example perhaps or its most cynical example that yeah there's a the the danger of of not if you were to just say yes it's achieved its intention without explaining is you know that's like a mobile game riddled with microtransactions the intention of that could entirely be it could it could be artistically yeah it could be artistically devoid it's just the intention is to make as much money in a short space of time as possible before everybody catches on that this is just a load of garbage and nobody spends any money on it again so yeah you need to be able to yeah, assess yeah, yeah. even the intention yeah yeah some yeah, something isn't inherently right just because it's been achieved. Like, you know, plenty of horrible people throughout history have achieved what they set out to do. Uh, doesn't mean that they were right. Um, so, yeah, no, no. But I, I just think as a basis, things, more reviews need to concentrate on whether the intention here has been hit or not. And then you go on to discuss and evaluate... Um, the intention itself or if the intention if it if it was communicated could it could it have been communicated better like why was it communicated in you know to to either you know say good medium or bad to be you know just to sort of break it down why why was that the case like um there's just not enough of that like i think and you don't necessarily have to enjoy it like you can say i didn't enjoy it but it was still incredible and it's still a worthwhile experience i mean there's too much as well in games reviews about is it exciting is it fun no oh well therefore it's bad 
Um, they never no, like, lacks value. The, I mean, there are games that are kind of not what you'd call traditionally fun that have been well received. I think so. The intention for something like Papers Please is what to communicate the horrors of a kind of really strict authoritarian regime that you're always being watched. Um, <clears throat> and then the way that they communicate to you is that they make you the watcher, but you're also being watched. Um, and then it's kind of like, you know, you can put yourself in the shoes of the people that you're watching and thinking about, wow, like I was thinking this as the watcher and now I've put myself in the shoes of the watched. And oh God, it's terrible knowing knowing the way that they're thinking about me. And, you know, a lot of people didn't find that game especially fun in the normal sense of the word. But, um, you know, it's it's fun. Its value comes from the quality of how well it delivered on its, ten- on its intention and the fact that the intention, you know, authoritarian regimes being controlled by this and that. Yeah, that's something valuable to be discussed. Mm. Yeah. And I think, uh, well, one of the final things, I think, for me is the... Is the is the use of anecdotes just going back to then to what you said about like not really being too interested in reading a few paragraphs of of this anecdotal thing that happened in the game i think for me as a reader those now sometimes they are out and out just fluff sometimes they are just they're just filler and they don't serve any purpose and you get to the end of it and you don't feel like you've you feel like, oh, this person who's telling me this or who has written this has, has had a good time or has had a bad time, depending on what the anecdote is. But the ones that I've, the things that I respond to the most or, or a lot are those anecdotes where it does tell me a lot about the game and it's balanced in a way, like you could have, you, you could have told me the same thing in much drier in a much drier way, but I have taken it on board more. I've responded to it more because it's in anecdotal form. And, and I've got like some of my, the memories of games that, that have surprised me the most or that, that moments, specific individual moments in games are anecdotal and they, but they have, they carry that sort of seed of the game. So like one of them is the Witcher and I, I think you and I have discussed like the Witcher games in the past, but the, having that um that the thematic value of a of the game of of the narrative and the the intention of the narrative and the way in which the narrative can be used to affect the game all of these things kind of tied together and i've got a specific anecdote that encompasses all of that for me and and it was a time when i responded in a way that there was like a genuine it elicited a feeling from me because i stopped for a little while after this thing had happened and thought well that's really clever like that's i didn't think that was going to be a case it, it, it took what i understood to be the way that a game like this would be made and subverted it and it was it was to do with picking sides and the fact that, that not picking a side was an option it wasn't explicitly stated as an option the the explicit choice was pick this side or this side and by not doing that, I just thought, well, the game's just going to, you know, that, that bit will not progress. That will just be forever in in just limbo. And later on, it turns out that that wasn't the case and that not choosing was an explicit choice. These days, that's a very, you know, the original Witcher is, I think, what, 10, 11 years old now. So that's um, now that's just a, an obvious thing. That's a, of course, that's the case. But 
at the time I went into that thinking it was a certain thing, thinking the dialogue tree as it was, or the, the choices that were presented were all of the options that you were given. And it turned out they weren't. And that's a, you know, that, that anecdote for me really, that's what I always think of when I think of that original Witcher game. Um, that's the thing that for me sums mm-hmm. that game up. It's like, oh, that's really cool when I got yeah, from that. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And I, and I agree that the anecdote is representative of the kind of feeling that that game gives. But I, I suppose what I'm saying is I don't need the review to explain that anecdote to me uh, as a means of communicating the value of the game i would rather it, that was communicated just without wasting those words on that and we're talking about you know limited word counts here audiences don't want to read lots of you know two you know a book for every review um i i still think that the, the review would be better suited in not explaining those specific anecdotes but just celebrating and ex, uh, explaining why that third decision, call it a grey area decision, is inc- those things. Yeah, that's a that's a thing that is in this game, and why that's important. Not not just spending a long time just recounting the instance in which that popped up. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, is there? Well, there's plenty more to say on critics, and uh, but is there? more to be said yeah i mean i suppose yeah. i suppose if i'm moaning if i'm ranting what i suppose i would what i'd want to see more of is one critics demonstrating an understanding of intention uh evaluating whether that intention has been hit or not and or if it hasn't been hit and why it hasn't been hit and then and then you know whether that intention is is a worthwhile intention or not because i think then that quite that really does cover that's that those are broad broad uh headings not not you'd write them as a heading they're, they're broad goals um but they're focused enough that you can sort of apply them across all reviews that you do in a, in a way that's valuable but they're they're broad enough that you know they can encompass anything whether that's a game or a film or, or anything it um, so it kind of gives you a a framework with within within which to work. 